They're back on the Football Outside the Box podcast, where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. After Chelsea's relegation to the quickfire round, we're starting off with City with a straight pass leads. Not what we expected, but hey, Sam Allardyce did create the pressure. We did expect some pressure, but thanks to Gundogan Brace in essentially the same fashion, this man is really annoying me. He's he's looking like a real quality player, a real unsung hero for, for Man City this season. So, a question. I've seen this on the timeline. Is Gundogan a top 10 midfielder in the Premier League? History? History is a shout still. I think we'd have to look on, go, go down a list, but I would say no, not ever. But what he's bringing to this Manchester City side is a lot of composure, a lot of quality, a lot of experience. But to call him top 10, I think is a stretch. Yeah, I think so too. We look at the history down the lines of, you know, we don't even need to go to like Sevilla. You look at his teammate, Kevin De Bruyne, he eclipses him. But something we discussed before, the role and different types of captains, right? Whether Roy Keane was your best captain or not, I mean, it's people's opinions, right? I think Gundogan is a, a very unique type of captain where you don't see them. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily see Gundogan shouting right at, at, at the players. But rather, he leads by good football IQ, good, just just good playing on the field, right? He knows what to do. He knows how to lead the players in, in that way. And I think it, it, most people are not going to, I guess, gravitate towards that type of captain. But I think he's getting kind of disregarded as one of the better captains in, in history as well. I mean, I know he's not the official captain, but I, I, I thought that was something... Pretty interesting to bring up as well. Yeah, his playing style on the field kind of reminds me of Arteta, to be honest, as a as a player. I wonder if Gundogan can translate that IQ to maybe a managerial career after this. Oh yeah, certainly. You asked. There was an interview with the City players. Everyone has said Gundo Gundogan as as a potential manager that they see. So we know something's brewing there. Uh, you know, another Pep Guardiola disciple. Uh, let's hope not because a lot of them are turning out to be successful but yeah certainly potential there maybe he doesn't manage Man City if Gundogan was to become a manager who do you think he would manage well I mean he's a Turkish he's of Turkish descent right he's played for Dortmund he made his name there he moved to City Uh, I've heard a report that he's agreed to move to Barcelona on a free I mean maybe that's something you know Pep Guardiola is from Barcelona he's um his style pretty much matches well with them. So, yeah, I mean, I could see him managing Barcelona, to be honest. Yo, so you think Pep is kind of like setting him up there, saying, yo, getting the system from now, and then we see you grow into the manager in the future? Well, because I, I personally can't see Arteta managing Barcelona. The guy is from, from Basque, right? And I know there isn't necessarily a, a direct rivalry between the Basque and the Catalonias, but... Arteta doesn't scream a Barcelona manager to me. Whereas I look at Gundogan, I could I could potentially see him managing Barca. Yeah, Arteta is straight Arsenal. But flipping no, no, to the no, next no, no. side, <laughs> the man is straight Arsenal, bro. What do you mean? 
I want to switch it to the next side though. I want I want to look on Sam Allardyce. Do you think this was a flat performance from him, or did he did he kind of hold his own? No, I mean when we saw the score go down, City go up two nil. We thought, yeah, this is it, right? But then they held on, and they even managed to score to make it a nervy ending at, at the end, two one. So I thought it was a decent performance from Leeds. You know, I thought they would get smashed six nil, but they didn't. They showed some fight, and I think that's what they need to see in the next game. They're at home against Newcastle. They frustrated them at St. James's Park earlier this season. I think Leeds could do some damage on Newcastle because Newcastle aren't as clinical as City are. Yeah, we know you're hoping for that one, so... <laughs> hey, I'm hoping but... on to... I'm grasping onto any slight of hope we can get because... Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Good. Yeah. And another result that wasn't looking good for you, Tottenham. Finally no, no, no. Got Tottenham were out. I don't care about Tottenham. No, they're out. They're they're relegated as well. Well, they're they're out of the the top four race. Yeah, not to the extent of Chelsea, but yeah. Well, I mean, they did collect a window against Crystal Palace, kept a clean sheet, and I will say, finally, they collected that. Yeah, I think. It it would be very odd for anyone else to hear this or say this, but I think Tottenham fans would have enjoyed that boring match. You know, they weren't down three nil for the first time in in what feels like months in the in the first half, and I think the focus was on defensive solidity, right? They Pedro Porro is shaky defensively. I, I think he's been exposed already within the first three four months of his time in the Premier League. So Emerson comes back. They make almost like a, I guess six out of position, six at the back out of position, uh, where you know Emerson kind of covers for Pedro Porro, and the same thing on the other side. Uh, I think it was Ben Davies covers for Son. It was boring, but it did the job. You know they limited them to the long balls. I, again, it's Crystal Palace, maybe, but they were like we said they were resurgent. So a clean sheet is going to be very welcome. For Tottenham. And this got me thinking. Ryan Mason seems to be adjusting to changes in-game very well too. I mean, he, he did that against us. He did that against Liverpool. And he's able to come up with these different type of game plans for uh, the smaller sides like Crystal Palace. Do you potentially see him? I mean, could this be the man that Tottenham are looking for? Ryan Mason? He's already in the house? Or are you looking for... I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I think it's a it's a good idea to try and find someone who knows and, and understands the, the culture of the club and who actually really wants the club to win. But I don't think he's the guy. Well, he is Tottenham through and through. He's a he's a Tottenham fan, but I mean I, I just think maybe that why not? Why not give him a ch- chance? You know, he hasn't he's never had a full chance to build his side. And you know, implement his style. He's always had to come in as a as a firefighter, and he's done okay, you know. So why not? Can't be worse than Antonio Conte or Mourinho. How that's gone for those two? Liverpool uh, matching their one 0 win as well against Brentford, and they're really climbing up to you. They're really on your tail. Yeah, yeah. Um, Uninspiring performance. But I mean, this is the difference. 
Salah, who is supposedly having a down season, he's already scored 30. Yeah, it's actually insane. The standards that he has set for himself, the standards that the football community has set for him, it's only down to his incredible work. Is he the greatest winger in Premier League history? To be honest, I don't view him as a winger anymore. I know he plays out on the wide, but he's as good as a striker to me. And in terms of straight goal scoring, I mean, he's got to be the greatest winger of all time. I mean, there's there's decent shots. Of course, there's uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, there's, you know, there's if you go way back, there's Perez, uh, Beckham, Giggs, and all those sorts. But nobody has had this many goals to their name, right? And if you're looking at pure goal scoring, Salah's got to be the top. And I, I'm... I'm actually really, I respect Salah as a player. As much as I don't want to say that, as much as I hate to admit a Liverpool player being one of the best, he, he's got to be up there. He's proven everybody wrong time and time again. Now, he's on the wrong side of 30 now, but his game doesn't seem to be slowing down. So, I mean, how many more years can he keep this up? That's the question, right? I'm thinking maybe two, three max because he's a guy that used to rely a lot more on physicality and he's adapted his game a, a bit more. But I just, he doesn't look hard to stop. I, I, it may be daft for me to say this, but he doesn't. No, I understand that. He yeah. looks kind of unorthodox when he plays. Like his dribbling isn't like the smoothest. His touches don't necessarily look that natural. He looks kind of, like clunky or awkward doing the, the motions. Yeah, but exactly, yeah. You can't argue with the goals, though. He's always in the right spot. Always, most times, comes up with the good finishing. And, I mean, I mean, there you go. That That's the difference. Like, Tottenham should be way down, right? But they have a great striker in Harry Kane who scored 26 goals in the league. You know, any other season, he's already running away with the golden boot, except we have Haaland now. And same goes for Liverpool with Salah. When you have these top goal scorers, you're more often than not gonna get results. Yep, goals wins games. That's why you can't argue with the goals, as we're saying. And speaking of goals, Arsenal finally had a match where we could stop one of those from coming in on it. A clean sheet in a match that we never expected it to happen in. But what a performance it was. Uh, Yeah, mainly down to Ramsdale. Plus, wrote a bit of luck as well. I think Newcastle had to post twice, right? So, but nonetheless, I mean, I think Odegaard, again, this is the same match that I criticized him about, right? He, he talked about how they've learned from this match last season. And two two matches running, he's, he's shot me up. He scored, should have scored to kill the game or almost kill the game uh, in the uh, extra deep into stoppage time in the first half, right? But either way, uh, drilled that shot. Very hard to drill it with that pace, with that precision through all those players. And he becomes yeah. the he becomes the highest non-penalty. So not including any penalties. Uh, 15 goals. That's the highest ever by a, a midfielder in a Premier League season. 
Yeah, very impressive. Odegaard mentioned he wanted wanted to improve on his goal scoring and that he has done. So he is coming through. He's leading by example, straight up, and helping Arsenal to the victory, showing the world that I guess Arsenal have learned from that Newcastle match last season. So being as it was 2-0 to Newcastle last season and we fell short there, has the tide turned? We win 2-0. Has the tide turned now? Are we going to win it? I still think no. As much as I... You know, at this stage, I, I would prefer Arsenal to win. But, I mean, your your last three games are winnable. The only, I guess, toughest game is Brighton at home. I still think you should be able to beat them. Uh, remember, City have to go to the Amex to play Brighton. Their fixtures are a bit tougher, City. Albeit, I, we could all see them winning the, the remaining five, or I think it's four for them. But, yeah, it's it, you're, you're certainly trying to tie it, that's for sure. Uh, since that Chelsea game, that Chelsea game was was uh was much needed. Yeah, definitely a refresher to the whole mentality of the squad. And another key factor in the game today, your boy Jorginho stepping in and once again setting yeah. the tone. I mean, he's he's got to start until the end of the season now. I don't see any way part how Partey squeezed in to to this lineup. Yeah, even when he came on as well. Was he was playing kind of like even a cam slash cm role just to see out the match, but that's that that can work when you when when he's in the mental state that he's in right now. Granite Jaka though, I thought he had a great game. Barda, you know, there was some some quarrels going on in the match. Very intense, wouldn't you say? Well, you know, one piece of thing that I, that I really love from this game. You go back to the reverse fixture. Newcastle were time-wasting from the start, even when it was nil-nil. I mean, the game ended nil-nil, but they were just, they were there to get a point, right? And I thought Arsenal gave them a, a bit back, you know? I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that because, I mean, the, the reaction from the fans too. Eddie Howe can claim all he wants about how his team are not time-wasting, how intense his team is. But the stats and your eyes tell you otherwise. They'd love to waste time, and they, they are doing it. And I enjoyed all the Newcastle fans being on the other side of that. See how it feels. We want to watch football. We don't want to watch the players on the floor. Yeah, which is kind of annoying because it's not like they don't have the quality to to perform and to get results and to create chances. I mean, look at them today, as you said. They got plenty of chances today. I mean, given so did Arsenal. Both teams, I thought, had plenty of chances. It kind of worries me to an extent, but... Newcastle are coming out. They're going to be dangerous again next season, probably even more. Right. Yeah. It depends on what which competition they qualify for. But as always, teams like these tend to struggle when they get involved in European football for the first time. Yeah. So do you think that this loss was a statement to say to everybody else that Newcastle is not going to qualify for the Champions League? No, 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 no. I, I think they were, they had a good performance today. Uh, again, it just comes down to the lack of clinical edge. The players like Willock, he should have, uh, that one passage of play, he should have hit it, you know, into the far post. And then he hits it directly at Ramsdale. Uh, again, the two posts, you can't do much about that, I guess. But 
Newcastle seem to be feast famine. You know, they they can score five, they can score four in certain games, but then they have, they have these games where you know their their lack of clinical edge comes into play. That's something they need to improve on. And I don't know how because they've signed a seventy million pound striker in Isak, and they have a decent striker in Callum Wilson as well. Are they going to go and sign another striker? I can't see that happening personally, but I mean maybe if um. There's links to Neymar. Maybe if he comes, I mean, that'll be comes, a whole different game changer. That would just yeah. like that would be very interesting to see. But as as I'm gonna say, I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. I, I mean, all. I don't either. Can you <laughs> can you imagine Neymar in, in the working town of of Townside Tyneside? I just he would add a whole other dimension though. That would be amazing. Good competition for the league. It would be. But Newcastle are competing against your side, Man United, for the Champions League spot. And you are also inflicted a defeat, a 1-0 defeat. Do you think that that loss means that Man United won't make the Champions League? No. What, what I do think it means is we had five, I'll say, semifinals. Now we have four cup finals remaining. There's no, we can't afford to lose anymore. You know, if you go to semi-final, you lose. Okay, you bounce back. But in the final, you can't lose. And we have four finals coming up. Can't lose any of those. I need to win three, at least, to, to keep it in our hands. But what went wrong today? Again, I'm just going to come back to the players and the manager are never going to admit it. Because if you, it's it's like... You speak things into existence, right? They don't want to. They don't want to do it, but they are tired. I know they're not going to admit it. They're not going to say it, but they are tired. And if I'm going to knock on wood right now, let me find some, some wood. <laughs> if we don't qualify for the Champions League, this has to be down to the manager. You cannot play the same set of players almost every single game. I mean, we're, we're not playing once a week. We're playing two or three times a week for the past four months. You cannot play the same set of players and expect them to not be knackered by this time of the season. It is what it, That's just what happened. There's no inspiration. The hair error didn't help, of course, but there's no energy to fight back, to respond to that. And you can, you can see it. But I mean, you gave up a lot of chances in general. And I think that has been happening for several matches now. You haven't been helped, of course, with the injuries that you've had at centre-back. But, wow. I mean, yeah, I feel Man United are lucky So in some matches to have not been been beaten a bit worse. Well, we were lucky today. That Lindelof, I thought it was a penalty. I don't know why. they. The explanation was that uh, the, the ball hit the part of the arm that's considered not a, a handball area. I thought it hit his elbow. I thought that was a penalty. Yeah, and... I thought so too. And he even moved his hand out. And also the Mikel Antonio goal, that foul. I don't know if that was a foul on the head. I mean, it's it's soft, but that's always going to get called on, on the keeper. But Do you that's... think keepers are a bit overprotected then? They they probably are. And, and would I change it? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just so used to it. I don't know if I would change it. But they are probably overprotected. No, I mean, there has to be looked at to some degree. It can't continue like that because a play like that, 
yes, I agree with you. It does get called like that. But De Gea shouldn't just be able to realize the ball is, is going to be dangerous for him and just go to the ground and automatically get a, a free kick. It shouldn't be the case. He needs to stand up stronger to that. He needs to command his area and he needs to be challenged for that. That that's that's fair to me. I don't think Mikel Antonio should just now completely get out of his way and like keeper has just like an imaginary area around him. That that might as well be the case. You know, when you play scrimmage and you have that area where you're not allowed to get into, yeah, you set up the cones. That's you might you might as well just do that. I, I mean I hear your point, but I, I just feel that if you start going deeper into these goalkeeper charging fouls, it's just gonna create more gray areas. I I just I just like it as simple as if you touch the keeper, it's a foul. You can you can tell. I mean, a lot of them are soft. You know, we we see very often, but I don't want to create any more gray areas in the game, in that sense. Um, but yeah, the hair was the hair is notoriously soft in claiming those balls. Yeah, and he was soft today for that Ben Rama shot as well. Jeez. But we'll I, mean, I have a question, though. On the other end of the field, Marcus Rashford, quiet today. He had a couple chances here and there, but as you mentioned, he usually likes to play against West Ham. What happened today? I mean, what can you do against... Rashford needs space, you know? He needs... He, he can create some damage within tight spaces, but... Like he, he he needs space. That's his best. And what can you do against a sea of ten men, eleven men behind the ball in the box? Right. I'm not excusing his performance, but I I just didn't expect him to do much. Just because, you know, I I do believe he stepped up a little, but he still needs space. That's that's still his best area to attack. And one thing about Lucia moving into the center half position. We just don't get that attacking output from the fullback position anymore. You know, that's Luke Shaw's been fine at center back, you know, being the distributor with the left foot. But but then again, we're we're missing that attacking output outlet. Now Malasia is not he's not cutting it. He goes on way too easily in, in attack. Um he seems a bit slow to everything, uh, especially in the final third, and, and ends up losing a lot of the balls. And his his time might come. You know, Patrice Evra was like that. He was slow. He was defensively shaky. He was never defensively the best, but at least attacking-wise, he was one of the best. So, yeah, I think him missing Luke Shaw is probably one of the contributors, too, in, in his goal, goals drop, um, drying up. Yeah, I think in this one, you made a good point to say that West Ham just had, you know, a whole wall for you guys to pass through and, Rashford, I think, because of that, was asked to drop a bit deeper, collect the ball short, and trying to to create rather than getting getting on the end of the creation. And I think that took away from the amount of chances he could have potentially had in front of goal to score. And that's why. And that's why. And man, you rely on Rashford to score anyway. So if you take Rashford away from goal scoring areas, you don't have anyone else to score. I don't know if they were trying to do that with Weg Horse making runs from deep or what, but there's no one there other than Rashford. Yeah, so, I mean, simple as. Anthony needs to learn how to hit the target. 
this yeah, he's like the almost man. I'm I'm calling him the almost man, bro, because he almost Anthony. He's like every single time is he's barely missing or barely just missing that one extra touch or that that one extra like lean back or whatever. He yeah, needs to just clean it up. Yeah, it almost doesn't cut it at this level. It it, it won't at that price. Yeah, at that price too. But it's so frustrating. He did it against Brighton as well. He did it against West. I mean, he hit the post. Um, he scuffed one shot that was uh, chested off by Vekhorst. I mean, if we convert one of those half chances, well, the Brighton chances were, were much clearer. We had three, four clear-cut chances that none of the strikers were, could, could score. But, yeah, when you don't score, you're, you're to the point of Liverpool and Tottenham, when you don't score, it puts a lot of burden and pressure on, on the defense. In this case, uh, defense was all, all right. The, our defensive efforts were all right. I mean, that goal is just the hair error. But one bright side for me is we finally have a week off till the next match against Bournemouth. I would have preferred Bournemouth to, to at least get a point against Chelsea to guarantee safety mathematically, so they'll try um a, a a bit less harder against us but i mean they're they're pretty much guaranteed to be safe right so that's the only bright spot for me um i'll be expecting a better performance we need to win out the rest of the remaining matches simple as that's all we have time for today guys thanks for tuning in as always we hope you enjoyed your time with us remember to subscribe to leave comments and share with your friends Follow us on social media at FOTBPod. Don't forget to leave a review, rating, and most importantly, don't forget to turn on those notifications. Join us again next time as we discuss the highly anticipated upcoming Premier League action. Thanks again as always. See you then.